Matthew chapter number 6. Now this is the, the, the Sermon on the Mount that we begin to look at in Matthew chapter number 5, 6, and 7. One long sermon that Jesus preached. Now it's really not that long if you were to sit down and read it straight through, but uh, considering most of the, the messages, most of the sermons that you find that Jesus gave, this is rather lengthy compared to many. Uh, so we're going to look at just one brief little, little spot in this passage of Scripture this evening. Matthew chapter number 6. Stand with me if you're able. Matthew chapter number 6. Now this is often a passage of Scripture that's preached out of when we talk about giving, when we talk about uh, offerings and things of that nature, and about giving the things that when you give it, like to missions, when you put it in missions, if you give it with the right motive, God blesses it and uses it, and moth and rust can't corrupt it. So let's read this passage. Matthew chapter number 6, verse number 19. Lay not up for yourselves treasures upon earth, where moth and rust doth corrupt, and where thieves break through and steal. What is he talking about? There's nothing wrong with having things on this earth, but the things that you collect on this earth are going to fall apart. They're going to rust. They're going to rot. They won't be here forever. It's the eternal things you do that last forever. Verse number 20 says, But lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven, where neither moth nor rust doth corrupt, and where thieves do not break through nor steal. Now it says in the next verse, which is the verse I want to focus on, For where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. Let's look at it again. For where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. Uh, I was preaching at a church one night at a marriage conference, uh, at a, a Valentine's banquet, and I said, Does anybody here have a $100 bill? And nobody raised their hand. I knew I was at a Baptist church then. And I said, Does anybody here have a $50 bill? And a lady said, I do. And she held it up. Her husband said, Where'd you get that? And she said, Shh. So I went back and she, she gave it to me, and I folded it up and stuck it in my pocket and kept talking like nothing had ever happened. That lady didn't take her eyes off me. She was watching, she was grinning at first, but the longer I talked, the more that grinned. See, I had her treasure, and she was concerned what was going to happen to her treasure. The quickest disappearing act, it was gone, just like that. And she, I said, the whole reason I even did that, I said, how many of you have noticed that she's not really even paid attention to what I've said? She's watching that $50 bill, what's going to happen to that $50 bill? She was concerned about her treasure, and I believe you and I can understand that, and that's why we did it. What I want to look at this evening is the fact that where your treasure is there will your heart be also. What I want to look at is this, the fact that we can apply this to many things, to our missions giving. If you give to missions for your hearts in it, you don't miss the treasure because you know it has a greater value. If you're giving your tithe and you're wanting to pass it on and, and see God use it, you're not concerned about every little thing. You're doing it for the right motive. When you're doing giving for the right reason and you're giving to things of eternal value, then you realize the value of it. Well, this verse says, For where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. If I brought in a big old treasure chest this evening, a few years ago, I believe Brother Kevin Vandiver made those two big old treasure chests for us for Bible school. They're huge. Man, they look awesome. And you bring them in, and we, we had a, a, I think we did a pirate theme or a castle theme that year, either one. And kids would come in and put their treasure in that. It looked like a treasure chest. If I brought that in this evening and I said, this is a treasure, anybody that wants part of it can have it. After service, some of you wouldn't even wait, you greedy rascals. Some of you after service, you'd come walking up, right, and be digging in the top. Ooh, treasure! And you'd be pulling out jewels and all. And you'd, then you'd be paying attention to it because that's where your heart is. And, and your treasure. I want to look at this. Your home as your treasure. It says in verse 21, For where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. If your home is a treasure, your heart will be there. 
If you value your home as a treasure, your heart will be there. We live in a society that doesn't value the home anymore. Uh, It doesn't take long to find marriage jokes, right? Uh, I I I typed in Google last night, funny marriage quotes. Uh, There's a lot that came in. I don't have time to read them all here. My wife told me the other day that I don't take her to expensive places anymore, so I took her to the gas station. Um, (laughs) One one person said, The average woman would rather have beauty than brains because the average man can see better than he can think. When I tried to do a search for marital advice on Google, it tried to finish my sentence for me, just like my wife does. So people, this is the way people view these things. Uh, one person said, when I married Mr. Wright, I didn't know his first name was always. Uh, one person said, <laughs> I'd never heard this one, marriage is like a deck of cards. All you need in the beginning is two hearts and a diamond, but after 10 years, you're looking for a club and a spade. Uh, <laughs> Some of y'all's really laughing. I'd, I'd sleep one eye open if I were some of y'all. Somebody said, make love, not war, or find someone, marry them, and you can do both. Um, two men were talking, and one said, I laughed, because some of y'all have been to Hawaii together, and I laughed when I read this. Two men were talking, and one said, for their 10th anniversary, he took his wife to Hawaii. He said, for their 20th, he might go back and get her. So, <laughs> she might not want to come back, leave you in Hawaii. Somebody said, no matter how often a married man changes his job, he always ends up with the same boss. And I'll read you one more. It said, I love being married. It's so great to find that special person that you want to annoy for the rest of your life. Uh, so we make jokes about marriage, and it's, you know, that's part of what makes it so funny. Some of you are going, it's funny because there's truth in all those, Brother Justin. That's why we laugh. Marriage can be a funny thing. Your home can be a funny thing if you're looking for the funny aspects of it. But it's not always that way. Life gets in the way sometimes. How many of you as a parent, some of you are on down the road as a parent, your kids are married, you've got grandchildren now, so you may have to think back. Those of you that are on, maybe so they're for, you're further along than we are, but still children in the home. Some of you maybe are where Natalie and I are at. You've got younger kids in the home. Uh, I heard a quote one time, and I thought this was so very true. We've already realized how quickly the years go by. And a woman said one time, said, the days are long, but the years are short. And it's so true. Sometimes the days are, they're, they're, you're through in the daily struggle and the daily battle. But when you turn around and you say, they were just this old, they were just a year old. It just seems like yesterday. And you begin to say all those things. Well, where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. Do you know many people, I've heard people say this, said, my heart's just not in it. It's because their treasure's not there. People have said, I just don't love them like I used to. Because you don't treasure them like you used to. Tonight I want to preach on the treasure chest of the home. Let's pray. Father, I thank you for allowing us to be here this evening. I do pray that you would help us, God. There's so many fun aspects of the home. And God, but it's in danger. It's under serious attack in this day and age that we live. God, I do pray that you would help us. God, I do pray that you would make a difference in the service tonight. God, give us loving homes. God, a church can only be as strong as the homes that make it up. God, I pray that I as a husband would be a better husband. God, I do pray that you'd touch every husband, every wife. Help us to be better uh, spouses. Help us as parents to be better parents, to teach the godly things that we should. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you. You could be seated this evening. I want to look at a few things. Proverbs 15, 6 says, In the house of the righteous is much treasure, but in the revenues of the wicked is trouble. If you're truly living for God, then you'll greatly value your home. 
Everybody doesn't have to be perfect in your home for you to value it. But as a Christian, you ought to value your home. Say, what's so important about the home, Brother Justin? Because the very first institution God ever created on this earth, before there was a church, before there was a government, God created a home. And he made a husband and a wife. And I don't think we need to chase the rabbit trails in the church. You know where the church stands. By the way, if you haven't signed that you agree with the constitutional statement, it's back in the visitor center. I signed it last night. I wanted to write amen behind it, but that's not my last name. So I figured I'd rather just put my name. What are you getting at? I'm getting at this. Our homes are in a, uh, under a serious attack. I remember reading a missions letter from one of the islands. It may have been the Bahamas or Jamaica. I don't recall which one. And the missionary said that they had performed, he had performed a wedding ceremony. He said, to you in America, this is no big deal. He said, but this is a huge achievement for the island because they so disvalue marriage. It's just, ah, oh, it's all right. Do you know that people often say this? They'll say, well, I'll tell you what, before we get married, we'll just move in together and we'll see. And if it's working out, then we'll know that we're made for each other. We'll go ahead and get married. Your odds of staying together are slimmer than if you would have just gotten married and moved in after you got married. You say, why? Because if you're moving in before you get married, you don't value marriage anyhow. You say, well, that's not true, Brother Justin. By your actions, it is. There's many things we could say, but I want to look at this and stay on task tonight. I want you to look at three aspects tonight of your home as being a treasure. Number one, I want you to know that treasure should be recognized. Say, what do you mean it should be recognized? I remember, you all ever seen the Antiques Roadshow on PBS? You say, brother, just you're like an old person watching Antiques Roadshow. I was watching Antiques Roadshow one time. Man, they have some weird stuff on there. I watched a little boy one time. He had a first edition Boy Scout handbook. And they said it was worth about $500. You can see that boy's eyes get big and you can see him spending money already. Thought you got to sell it first, kid, right? This man brought in, he had this picture. It was this oriental looking picture. And he set it up and he said, look, I don't know if this is worth anything. He said, we had bought a house and people had left some junk up in the attic. And he said, they said, you know, we're moving out, whatever. We ain't taking nothing else. It's done. And he said, this just junk we found. He said, this was just an odd looking picture. I looked at this picture. I could tell it's an old looking picture. I thought, what is up with this picture? He said, I figured I'd bring it down. And then, you know, they go through this long backstory. Well, this was created in Japan in 1932. And they go through all this. I don't know how they got that just by looking at it. But he knew and he's going through all this stuff. And he said, it is a rather valuable piece. He said, you know, it's pretty interesting. And he's going on. You all ever try to guess what it's going to be worth? I'm like, man, that looked like it came from the flea market. I'll give it $20. You know, and I'm going, and you think, that's a piece of junk. And that guy's going, I wish I'd have had this piece of junk. When he got done, the man said, well, it would easily bring about thirty dollars to $40,000 on the open market. And I went, do you know what the former owners thought? Ah, that old junkie picture's not worth anything. They didn't value it for what the value really was. The value you place on something is how near and dear it will be to your heart. If you had a, an original Van Gogh painting hanging on your wall, would you let anybody touch it? You'd have that thing encased in glass and everything. That's why, because of the value. But if you didn't know what a Van Gogh was, some of you going, what's a Van Gogh? It's a very expensive painting. And if you had an original Van Gogh, you'd go, whoo, boy, that thing's worth some money. It wouldn't be hanging in my house. That rascal would be sold, right? And you'd, that thing would be gone. And is, somebody said, well, was there anything not for your sale at your house? And uh, only my family. Everything else is free game. What you got to offer? Well, if you value something, then you will, it will be dear to your heart. There's probably things in your home, objects in your home, that have very little material value. They wouldn't bring very much money, but they're worth a lot to you because of who owned them. 
Maybe there's something that your great-grandfather had or great-grandmother. We've got a violin at our home that my great-grandfather used to play. And it's, it's not in good condition anymore, but it's a neat treasure. You say, why? Because my great-grandfather used to play it. And it's just, it's not all that valuable. Maybe worth two or $300 and it's in bad shape. It's really old, but it's, it's not a valuable item. Do you know you can buy a Bible for a dollar? But there's people in this world that would treasure it more than a million dollars. It's ascribed to the value that you put on it. Let me read you a few verses real quick. Proverbs 12 verse 4 says, A virtuous woman is a crown to her husband. Proverbs 31.10, Who can find a virtuous woman for her price is far above rubies. Song of Solomon 4.6, Solomon speaks to his wife and describes, he says that she's the mountain of myrrh and a hill of frankincense, both very valuable, fragrant objects. In Song of Solomon 1.13, she describes him as a bundle of myrrh, describes him as hands, as gold rings, as a belly of ivory overlaid with sapphire. Now, I know that doesn't do much for us as in hot talking like they would back in that day, but they were, all, they were referring to each other as very valuable treasures. That's how they were describing each other. Let me give you an illustration. Let's say you look at your wife and you look into her eyes and let's say she's got blue eyes because that's the first object. The sapphire is blue. If you looked into her eyes and you said, Honey, your eyes are like two sparkling sapphires. Those are treasures, right? If you looked at them and said, Girl, your eyes look like two raspberry gummy bears. You tell, unless you really like gummy bears, you tell me which one's going to be more valuable. The value that you place, you're describing one in terms of great value. And she would, could tell by your description that you value her. The second one describes her as you hungry. And so you've know, you, you got to place the value on there. Many people think of their spouse as a treasure. Unfortunately, too many people want to bury that treasure. Uh, that's not the treasure we're referring to this evening. What are you getting at? Your treasure, you got to recognize your treasure for what it is. Know your spouse isn't perfect. Know they never will be perfect. Know they're never going to be. Your kids are never going to be perfect. But if you value them as a treasure, they'll be nearer to your heart. What's scary in our society is this, the, the idolatry even of parenthood. So what do you mean? People put their children on an idolistic pedestal. You say, what do you mean? Your life does not revolve or should not revolve around your children. You say, but they've got to do this and this and this. Yes, but you better put the husband-wife relationship first if you're married. If you don't, you're shipwrecking your home. Before there were children, there was a husband and a wife. That's the way God designed it. So what's the proper order? The husband and wife relationship comes first. Does that mean that you don't value your children? Not at all. You as a parent, I dare say, but virtually any parent in here would say, I would die for my children. I would do anything for my children. I've spoken to some of you and just the way th things you say, you love your children more than anything, any object, anything in this world. You would give anything for your children, for their well-being, for their health, for their, for their salvation even. You would do anything you could to help them. Why? Because you love them. The problem is, oftentimes, that supersedes what you have for your spouse. What are you going to do when they're gone? When they're married and they don't come around like they used to? If you don't keep your home together, your home's done when they're gone. I always wondered, why in the world would somebody be married for 30 years and now they're, they're not together anymore? And then you look back and they, 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 their lives revolved around their children and never each other. 
I'm not being mean when I say this, but do you know my favorite time of the day? About 8.30 when my kids are asleep. Then I can talk to Natalie and I don't have any interruptions. Why? I value the time with her more than anything else. Why? She was there before they were. She'll be there when they're gone. I want to be happy when they're gone. Not just sitting around looking going, they used to sleep in that room. They used to sleep in that room. Be like Brother Dermot. Hallelujah, one's on the way out. Man, you know. If you need this, boy, Brother Dermot should have preached that point, huh? He's got her down pat. What are you getting at? Value it. Recognize the treasure of your marriage. You say, well, it's just not what it used to be. Maybe you quit recognizing it for what you did back then. Do what you used to do then to have what you used to have then. Remember when you first met each other? He could do no wrong. He could smell like a pole cat and he come walking in from work. My mom, I work in construction, many of you know, most of you know. And my mom would always say, Nat, before we got married, she said, Natalie's got to see you in work clothes before y'all get married. I said, what do you mean? She said, she only sees you in a suit and tie or like in going out on the town clothes. So you said, what do you wear on the town? Just regular clothes. It wasn't like no big hat with a feather in it. So don't get the wrong impression. <laughs> what are you getting at? She said, you got to see her. And the first time Natalie saw me, she was at, at her house before we got married. And I came walking in the back door and she went, Kind of looked like, who's that dude? Somebody just walking in y'all's house. Say, what happened? She still was, oh, he's the greatest thing in the world. Boy, I had her fooled, didn't I? Why would you? You know, we overlook all that. Remember when you was first married? I'm going to use Brother Alex because I'm not going to do this to a woman. Remember when y'all were first married and you would sit up, and Brother Alex is my brother and I love him in the Lord and it stops there. Amen. <laughs> You first got married, and you'd put your arm around them, and you'd pat them, and, and she'd lay her head down on your shoulder. and You couldn't wait, man. Y'all would sit beside of each other. And then you've been married for a little bit, and you sit down, and she says, Slide over, I'm hot. Get your hand off me, I'm sweating. We say, what happened? You quit valuing each other as much. Say, no, I just don't like being sweaty. Get away. I got the ring now, just slide over, all right? I'm still yours, just slide a little bit. See what happened? You got to value each other. You got to recognize that each other are valuable. You're worth each other. The more value you put into your spouse that you recognize them as, the more valuable they'll be in your eyes, the more they'll be in your heart. I want to show you something. Not only do you see, notice what it said. Notice how the verse is worded. It said, for where your treasure is. If your treasure's in your home, if it's with your spouse, if your treasure's in, I'm not saying don't treasure your children. I'm saying husband-wife relationship ought to come first. Yes, there's times where you have to take care of your kids. You can't just, don't just, you know, throw them into the, the side room and say, we'll be back in two days. Hope you make it. That's not what I'm talking about. I think you've got enough common sense, but focus. Make sure your husband-wife relationship is focused on why? Because you've got to build it to last. And you've got to value it. But not only is this treasure, does it have to be recognized, treasure has to be retained. Say, so what are you talking about? If your physical treasure was about to be stolen, would you say something? You watch somebody, you know, they're, they're getting ready to steal your car, would you just go, they stole my car. No, you'd be going, hey man, that's my car, get out of my car. This is Calvary Baptist Church. Some people be going, man, get out of my car. You know? Some might go, poo, 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 poo. Get out of my, man, you're bleeding on my seat. Get out of my car. All right. 
Y'all grin now because I know I got the right church. Say, what are you getting at? You would fight for your physical treasure. Would you fight for your treasure of your family? If somebody's at your door and they're trying to beat down your door and get to your family, every man in here that owns a gun, you'd go probably get your gun. You'd say, if you think you're going to hurt my family, you might get to them, but you're going to hurt me before you hurt them. You would fight for your treasure. The more you value your treasure, now I'm not always, we're not talking about being violent and hateful and all this, but what I'm talking is this, you fight for what's valuable to you. You'll stand up for what you believe in, or you should. You'll stand up for what's really valuable, your treasure. You'll defend it. Well, there's thieves trying to take your treasure. Say, so what do you mean? If you don't think the devil's trying to wreck homes, you are not paying attention. Never in all my life, when I was growing up, I'm only 38 years old. When I was a kid, if somebody said, you're gay, you was ready to fight. And they wasn't talking about being happy. Now there's nothing wrong with it. At least in society, it's still an abomination unto God. It's still a sin. If a man was born a man, or if a woman was born a woman, and they said, well, I think I might want to be the other. You're still a man, or you're still a woman. We were in Steak and Shake one time. I told this to our teenagers. The ugliest woman I'd ever laid eyes on came walking through the door. Oh, my. And I said, oh, that's not a woman. Oh, dear soul, that's a man in a dress from the 80s. Oh. <laughs> Natalie looked over. She said, and them hoes don't even match. Somebody needs to give him some tips. She said, no, 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 no. They don't need to give him no tips. That's bad. The day I go walking into the steak and shake in a dress, just throw me down in the parking lot and run me over. Amen. And don't stop till I'm gone. All right? Just keep back and forth. Put me in the drive. No, they're too slow. Don't put me in the drive through there. I'll, I'll, I'll be injured too bad. Where are you getting at? Uh, people's messed up. Sin is wrecking the home. Sin's wrecking homes and churches. Do you know one reason why? We don't treasure it. Come in, you don't value your marriage like you should. You don't value that time with each other. Let me give you some real quick, some, some things that will wreck your home. Comparisons will wreck your home. You ever heard somebody say, well, I wish my husband were more like so-and-so. I wish my wife could cook like so-and-so. I'd have a better marriage if only this, if only you were like them. If you had them, you might be singing a different tune. You say, well, I just think they would be better. The grass over the septic tank still got to be mowed too. What are you getting at? It doesn't matter. Who, who, you, you, it's not a matter of comparison. If you're comparing to somebody else, you're not valuing what you have. Value it. So Jerry Clower told the story one time. He said, they were, I probably told this, there was a young couple arguing. He said, oh, we'd been married, my, me and my wife been married a long time. They said, Mr. Clower, would you come talk to us? And he said, sure, I'll tell you. I don't know what I'll tell you. And he got over there and he said, I could tell they've been having a big argument. And he got over, he said, whoa, 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 hold on, hold on. He said, maybe if y'all tell me what y'all are arguing about right now, we can get to the root of the problem. Maybe I can tell you something that'll help you. It was a comparison problem. The man, he said, what's the problem? And the man said, I'll tell you one thing. I've been in this marriage for a little while. And she just don't make bread like my mama. And the woman looked back and said, well, if maybe I could if you made dough like my daddy. So, <laughs> so what are you getting at? Comparison's not good. One man said, keep your eyes wide shut before, or keep your eyes wide open before marriage and half closed thereafter. Say, so what are you talking about? Pay attention before you get married. Make sure you get the right one. But after you do, don't be looking at all the faults. It's too late then. Look at the good things. Focus on the good things. Comparison's a problem. Don't let some satanic scale modders get in and steal your treasure. 
don't let some old scoundrel get in and you say, well, so-and-so at work, they're just so nice to me and all this. You don't know what so-and-so's like when they go home. Let me just throw this out there. If somebody will cheat on their spouse to be with you, they will cheat on you to be with somebody else. I never understood somebody leave with a cheater and they think, well, we're going to live happily ever after. They cheated on their spouse before. Why would they not cheat on you? Why would you not cheat on them? You're just as bad of a cheater as they are. So what are you getting at? Value your home. Treasure it. Not only comparison, but confusion. You see things from different angles. That's okay, but don't let it wreck everything. Men are often considered to be work-oriented. Now, there's women that are that way, so I don't want to be confused, but my wife and I, we see things a different way. I see things and I look at it. I'm not going to say I look at it logically because I don't. I look at things in a crazy way probably half the time. You say, oh, Brother Justin, I can't believe that. Huh? And we look at things, but we don't always see things eye to eye. But we just, we mostly do. But when, if we don't see something exactly the same, that doesn't mean you throw in a towel and say, well, she ain't the right treasure for me. No, you may see things differently. Ladies, next time your husband does something good, brag on him. You say, well, he'll get the big head. Well, he'll appreciate it. Make him happy. If he takes out one bag of trash, he's going to stand at the door and make sure you see it. And you're going, shut the door, honey. Do you need a drink of water? He's wanting you to see he's doing something. You brag on every little thing the kid does. Brag on your husband sometimes. Your kid brings a little paper home from school. Oh, Junior, look how wonderful this is. Let's hang this on the wall. I can't wait for everybody to see it. Junior's brought 14 of those home this week. And your husband's standing at the door with the trash. <laughs> Honey, guess what? Junior went to the bathroom all by himself. You want to say, yeah, he's 13. I hope he did, right? All right. Well, you get that brag on your husband. Now, fellas, don't ignore your wife. Focus on her. Now, don't look up and say, well, Brother Justin must always focus on his wife. Yeah, that's it. There... Have you ever heard of a thing called life, that dirty four-letter word that gets in the way of everything else? You know what the problem is? Confusion comes along, and a wife ought to consider her husband when he's there at the house. It, it ought to be a treasure to have him there. Do you know something I value about my wife, one of the many things? That she wants me to be home. You say, well, that's just because y'all got little kids. Before we had kids, she wanted me to come home. <laughs> I appreciate that. I'm glad she don't send me a she'll send me a text and say, what time? You say, why would she send you that? Because she wants me to be home. I value that. If I said, I'll be home about 4.30, if she said, can you make it 6? That's too soon to see your face. <laughs> she must have meant that for somebody else. I'll be home at 4.30. Make it 7. You know, then it'd be a problem. I value that fact that she wants me home. You ever, and I hope you're this way, if my wife's not there, if she's out with her mom, or if she's gone later in the evening, now we don't rake the streets out by ourselves late at night and all that. I don't think that's a good idea. I think you'll get yourself in trouble. But if she's gone somewhere and she's going to be a little bit later getting in, you know, late for us is like 9 o'clock, we're ready for bed, we're like old people. And so, you know, if, she's, if it's 8.30, I'm like, I hope she's okay. Some of you say, well, I don't care. They'll be home when they get home. You're not valuing them as a treasure. You're not valuing them. You need to get your communication down pat. I'm pretty good at confusing people sometimes. Natalie's laughing. You say, why? Sometimes I'll tell stories and she said, them people had no clue what you were talking about. <laughs> she said, they don't know what you were talking about. I said, how do you know? She said, because I was there and I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> said, but communication, you've got to talk to each other. 
It's not that I don't love my children, but I like when they're in bed so I can talk to my wife without interruption. Remember how you used to do that when you first met each other? There's been different studies about how when you first get married, you talk for so many, or an hour a day, and then the longer you've been married, and then people that have been married 10 years hardly say more than a passing word to each other. That's dangerous. Do you know how you got to know that person? By talking to them, by spending time with them. Uh, men and women are different, by the way. Now, some people say there was a statistic, and I used to quote it, and I found out, well, it's just not true. I'm living proof of it. People used to say, well, women or men only use about 25,000 words a day, and women use about 50,000. The problem is nobody's ever documented where that study came from. People just somebody threw this out there, and it sounded good, so people did it. I use a lot more words a day than my wife does, and I use them a lot faster, too. <laughs> Somebody said, why do you talk so fast? Because I can get more words in that way. Brother Young was at the college one night, and he said, you talk a lot faster than I do. I said, yeah, but that don't mean I say anything more than you do. I promise you that. But my wife and I, we don't communicate the same way. We talk differently. How many of you men have ever heard had your wife say something like this? Oh, dear Lord. Your wife say something like, those roses on the side of the road are really pretty. And I said, sure. <laughs> Hey, baby, you want some roses? Not now. <laughs> They'll still be pretty. Not as pretty. <laughs> See, women and men communicate differently. I never one time have wanted an ice cream cone and said, Would you like an ice cream cone? Now, I may ask her, but I might be like, I'm going to McDonald's for an ice cream cone. You want an ice cream cone? Men, that's the way we do. Not every man. I'm just I'm getting kind of painting a broad stroke here, but... As a whole, man says, I want some ice cream. We're getting ice cream. And the woman may say, do you think you might would like some ice cream? And if the man says, no. She doesn't say, well, I would like some ice cream. Stop and get me ice cream. No. Uh -uh. His mind reading antennas must have got twisted or something. I promise you, ladies, he cannot read your mind. And I promise you... He's not going to try. And I promise you, if he does, he'll be about 10 minutes too late, and then you won't want it anymore. So the best thing for you to do is just tell him. You're riding down the road. Look, ladies, do this. Say, stop at McDonald's. I want some ice cream. And if he says, I don't want any, you say, I didn't ask. I want some ice cream. You know what your husband's going to say? I'll go get you some ice cream. Husbands, go get the ice cream. All right? It's that easy, right? It's, but men, by the way, if she says, would you like some ice cream? That's not asking if you want ice cream. You don't have to buy ice cream. But take her for some ice cream. Do you know why ladies are laughing tears out of their eyeballs right now? Because this is true. Men and women don't communicate the same way. Some, many of you have heard me tell this one time, uh, that they put microphones like this on little boys and girls, four-year-old boys and girls. Like, and I don't remember the exact number, but like the boys, they put the microphone, or they put the girls, 100% of the girls' recordings was real speech. They used a lot of we talk. We're going to go play princesses. We can do this. Let us go do this. Boys, like 40% of what they said wasn't even real words. It was like, 
and a lot of I. I'm going to be the sheriff. Well, I'm going to be the Indian. You be, I'm going to be, and it was a lot of that. Men and women communicate differently. It starts early. It's, guess what, ladies? And some of you are going to say this. Say, my husband, I think he's up to over 60% of non-intelligible speech. baby, you going to go that? Oh, honey. Moms are looking at their kids going, what did he say? And they're going, I don't know. You married him. You know, got nothing to do with it. I, the comedian, there was a comedian, he's a Christian comedian. He said one time, ladies, just, just tell your husband what you want. Somebody said one time, he told the story one time. He said, my wife came in. He said, I always sit at the same plate at dinner time. Always. Or same seat. He said, I walked in, my wife walked in, or I was going through the room and she walked through and he said, she looked and said, is that your plate at the table? He said, who else's would it be? I always sit there. What? That's her way of saying, pick your plate up and put it over at the sink. He said, I always sit in the same seat in my living room. And he said, she walked by and she said, is that your cup beside that chair? I'm the only one that sits there. That's her way of saying, pick up your cup. He said, I was walking through the bedroom one day and she looked down and she said, is that your underwear on the floor? He said, if it's not, I got questions of my own. <laughs> so what are you getting at? Just trying to keep you loose up. Just tell your husband what you want to say. Just tell him, honey, would you please clean up your own clothes? Is that hard? Because if you say, is that your cup? Yep. And you're standing there going, that's sorry, dog. I just told him to pick up his cup. No, you didn't. In your mind, you did. In his mind, you said, is that your cup? Yep. Now, husbands, let's flip it around. Next time she says, is that your cup? Yep, and I'll go take that right now to the sink to keep you happy, my treasure. You better watch how you say it or you're going to get your shine knocked off for the day's done. you got to work at it. You're treasured each other if you value each other. If you don't communicate, your treasure is going to be, you got to retain it and it's going to be stolen away. Not only that, you got to learn how to compromise. I'm not talking about what's right and wrong. I'm talking about you got to learn how to give and take. You don't always get to do what you want to do in a marriage. If you do, you're not going to have a very good marriage because you're not treasuring the other person. Natalie and I will ask each other, what do you want to do this weekend? Or maybe we got a Saturday free or something like that. What do you want to do? She said, I don't know what you want to do. You already do that? I don't know what you want to do. I don't know what you want to do. I don't know what you want to do. And one of us will say, well, let's, what about this? Nah. And we, but we work. It's, Ah, that doesn't sound fun. Well, what about it? Nah, I don't like that either. What do you want to do? I guess we're going to sit at home, stare at the wall some more. <laughs> what are you getting at? I'm getting at this. You've got to learn how to give and take. It's not all about you. Right. Fellas, if everything you do on the weekend is just go play golf, or you live in a deer stand, or you live on the golf course, you're wrecking your marriage. Now, if you work five days a week with your spouse, you probably better go to the golf course. They need to not see you for a little while. But if you never spend time together, you're heading for trouble. And it's not always what you want to do. That'll wreck your marriage. You've got to compromise. By the way, don't get in compromising situations with other people. Don't get alone with a person of the opposite sex. Be careful. Watch where you're at. Now, let me give you this real quickly. Complacency. Getting satisfied with where you are will get you in a rut. You know what Dr. Eugene Goodman used to call a rut? It wasn't original to him. He said it was a grave with the ends knocked out. Pretty true, isn't it? You quit romancing when you're complacent. Better not say that. I'll get magic carpet ride. Okay, what? Complacence, this. I want to say this carefully. Complacence, where you quit being romantic to each other, where you quit being sweet to each other. Can I tell you, guilty? You ever been guilty of you just don't put the effort in? You still love each other. 
You still care about each other, but you're not putting the effort forth anymore. Do you know what everybody does? They go to a marriage retreat or they go to a marriage conference and they come out, man, I'm going to be Mr. Romance. And you go buy a flower. Man, you stop at the truck stop on the way home. Brother Glenn's the only one can do that because he's got to stop and get gas in his truck. Everybody else, I'm going to stop and I'm going to get me a rose and that thing's limped over and the petals is falling off and you come in. And to you, that's romance. Ladies, if he's doing something, trying, man, look past the raggedy flower and be glad you got it, right? And he comes up and says, here, I brought you this flower. Oh, it's the nicest thing you've done in a long time for me <laughs> he's going he'll walk taller out of that room like this you say why because he feels like he's mr romance and then what next week's done and he's you say honey i sure would like another flower there's some out in the yard <laughs> if you'd mow there wouldn't be and then you then it's all back north. you get complacent and you don't treasure each other you quit valuing each other Put an effort into it. Put an effort into your home. Realize what your home is. Recognize it for what it is. And make an effort to keep it that. Those, many of you have been here married for a long time. You know what I like? I like seeing married couples that have been married for a long time and they still look happy together. I do. I call Brother Johnny's over there grinning. He got his arm around Miss Ann. I, t- I said, I'm preaching on the home. He said, slide over, baby. No, he really did. <laughs> Brother Johnny said, I called one night, we were doing a class, and we needed somebody to teach on the home or on a Sunday morning. Brother Johnny, tell you. And I called him. I said, Brother Johnny, I need you to do me a favor. He said, what's that? I think I called him the night before. I said, I need you to do me a favor. He said, okay, what's that? I said, I need you to teach in Sunday school tomorrow. He said, oh, will you get ready to spring on me? I said, Brother Johnny, you got this. He said, what is it? I said, be teaching on the home. Just teach it on the things that work in a home and some things that don't work in a home. I said, you don't have to go in no long, drawn out anything. Just tell practical experience. Just things that work. Maybe tell some dumb things you've ever done. I know he ain't got a list of them like some men have, but he's laughing now. But, Brother John, you know why? He, I told him, I said, and I meant it. I said, y'all look happy together. I'm not going to call somebody to teach on the home, and their wife sits over here, and they sit over here, and they're going, don't get close to me again. Close I got to get to use when you're riding in a back seat on the way home. <laughs> that's not who we're picking. Right? You understand what I'm saying? But... Anybody that's been married any length of time, you know what happens? You get complacent. You quit putting the effort into it. You hear a message on the home, you'll go home. I'm going to be sweeter. Tomorrow morning, you leave a note for your wife. Baby, you're my treasure. I love you, and I don't even want to bury you. And you leave it. And she gets up in the morning, she said, Bless his dear soul, he's trying. And you maybe cook his favorite meal, you throw it in the crock pot, and he comes walking in the door. That's romance to him. He walks in, and boy, y'all sit at the table like this. Shut up! I'm talking to your mama! And y'all are sitting like this. Y'all are so happy, and the kids are looking going, what's wrong with mom and dad? They're trying. And what happens is after a day or two, a week or two, life gets in the way again, and the effort falls away. And you quit valuing your home. Where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. That's what it said. Let me give you the things real quickly. Number one, treasure has to be recognized. Number two, treasure has to be retained. Number three, treasure is rewarding. So what do you mean? If you had a great treasure, you, in your, if, you, if you had a bank account with a couple million dollars in it, would that be rewarding to you? Yeah. You said, man, I got my retirement lined up. That would be rewarding to you. 
If you had something at the house that was of great value, man, look at this. This is worth so much money. Look, and it's a value to you. Can I tell you there's a reward to having a good home? Say, what's the reward? Having your kids learn about the gospel. The thing I want my kids to see the most is mom and dad were real at home. Not perfect at home. I done messed that up too many times. But real at home. It will be rewarding for me, for my kids one day to look back and say, you know, mom and dad, they weren't always perfect, but they wanted to live as a Christian life. They didn't yell and cuss each other, and they weren't fighting each other. I never saw mom and dad hitting on each other, and I never saw them yelling and throwing things across the house. And, you know, they tried to take us to church, and they tried to love each other, and they're still happily married. And That's rewarding, but it doesn't just happen. Great marriages do not just happen. Nobody has a great marriage by accident. People can stay married. You ever known somebody that was married, but they didn't have a marriage? I know of a couple right now. The, the man's dead. The woman's still alive. They were married 30-something years or longer than that. They were married, but they did not have a marriage. They both slept in the same house. They both ate the same meals, but they, weren't, they, they were just married. They didn't enjoy their marriage. They never spent time together. The only reason they stayed married because they were old timers that said that's just what you do. And they were not happy. I challenge you tonight, if you're married, to get in an altar and say, God, help me to value my spouse. Help me to value my children. What is it? This message is just a kickstart, just to, just to push you back in the right direction. Just steer back. Maybe you've been told, oh, let me get lined back up. Why? I need that. I need to get lined back up. Maybe you're not married. Some of you is close to getting married. Maybe you want to get an altar and say, God, help me to stay focused and treasure that person. Yeah, you treasure them now, but what about two or three years down the road? Maybe, young person, you're not even married yet. And you're looking and say, well, God, I want, to, I want that kind of home. I want to be the kind of home people in the church that aren't married would look and they say, you know, I want the kind of marriage Brother Justin and Miss Natalie have. They look happy together. They enjoy being with each other. I want to be an example in that. Say, well, that's dangerous. People's watching you. They're going to watch you anyhow. We'd rather have the right, the right model for them. Let's all stand to our feet. We'll get some music quietly on the piano. Maybe you just want to come. Maybe you've got a good marriage. Some of you are happily married. You've been married a long time, and you still enjoy each other's company. Maybe you just want to get in an altar and say, God, help us to be the right example. I watch you couples. Some of you have been married a long time. I watch you. I used to love to watch Brother John and Miss Louise Stanley. He was always messing with her. I'd watch her, and one night, one day, he threw a hymnal under her when she was getting ready to sit down. And she sat on it, and she smacked his arm and laughed and slid it out from under her. What was that? To them, that was flirting. When you're that old, that's as good as flirting gets. But what happened? And she'd tell you it wasn't always that way, and they weren't always perfect. But she said they still enjoyed being together. Maybe you just want to come and say, God, help us to have the right kind of home. Maybe somebody's got to get redialed in tonight. The danger's this. You'll try hard for a week or two or maybe a month. And if things don't do exactly like you think, you say, I'm quitting trying to be that kind of husband. I'm going to quit trying to be that wife. You can't quit. You're not doing it for that. You're doing it because it's the right thing to do. Your home is a treasure. If you want your heart to be in it, you got to treasure it. Value those children. Value that spouse. 
Say, Brother Justin, my spouse sitting in church. My spouse is lost. They're not here tonight. All the more reason to be a better Christian example to them. Say, Brother Justin, I'm not married. Well, a good time. If you're, maybe you're single. You've never been married. And you're saying, Brother Justin, what should I do? You better pray you find the right person. You don't want to marry the wrong person. Say, well, does God have a right person? He did for Adam. God can make somebody special for Adam. You don't think he can make somebody special for you? While these are praying, let's pray with them. Father, I pray that you'd help this evening. God, I pray that you'd help me to be the kind of husband that I need to be. Help me to be the kind of father that I should be to my children. God, I pray that you'd help us tonight. God, I pray for every home in this church. God, there are no homes that should be a casualty. And I pray that you would strengthen each and every one. God, I pray for every man to be a good husband, to be an example of Christ in the home. Father, I pray that you'd help every wife be a good type or symbol of the Holy Spirit in the home, supporting that home. God, adding strength to it. God, I do pray that you would help us this evening. God, I pray that you'd help us as parents. Help us to be a good godly testimony to those children. God, help them to look at our lives and see the difference, God, that Christ can make. God, I ask that you would help us tonight. God, I pray that you'd reach down your hand. God, I know there's homes that are struggling tonight. God, I pray that you'd help them. God, you are able to mend broken homes, broken lives. God, and I pray that you'd do that. God, I pray for those that are unmarried tonight. God, give them wisdom. God, several about to be married. I pray that you'd bless their union of marriage. Help them to be in God's perfect will. God, for those that, God, they don't have any direction for marriage yet. God, help them to be patient and wait for that perfect person. God, I pray that you'd help tonight. God, I pray that you'd bless those that are away preaching. Bless as they would be preaching in the upcoming days. Help them, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen.